Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Native American church practitioners say without a concerted effort, peyote might disappear. They're urging elected leaders to help preserve the plant that is used in church ceremonies. It's a medicine that has a long and important history and was instrumental in establishing religious sovereignty. Now the source of peyote that grows wild along the Texas-Mexico border is diminished. We'll find out what the factors of the latest push are and get a reminder of peyote's role in ceremonial practice. That's coming up right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Tribal college students at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas, recently held a walk and remembrance for those who did not return home from Indian boarding schools and for survivors and their families. Students walked the campus wearing orange shirts to recognize the experiences of Native people. The shirts also represent the notion every child matters. The federally funded church-run schools in the U.S. mirror residential schools in Canada. This summer in Canada, Pope Francis apologized on behalf of the Catholic Church to indigenous people in that country for the abuses they suffered at residential schools. Haskell Student Government Association President Darren Berryhill says the Pope needs to do the same for indigenous people in the U.S. I think it should be highly acknowledged for, you know, boarding schools all around the U.S. It's like a very big impact that's happened to indigenous people everywhere and, and impact the future generations and here we are you know as of today we are our own people and we have that history and like I think anybody with the boarding schools as well as you know whatever countries should all be involved and highlighted about the um, history of what happened. Barry Hill says the event at Haskell not only raised awareness of boarding schools but also brought students together for reflection, as Haskell has its own history as a boarding school. At the same time, you know, you got to understand like how like sentimental and sensitive the subject might be talked about a lot. But it's also like the one of the main importance of Haskell Indian Nations University. And I just I love the idea of that we bring this up and we have a prayer and a song about it because like it really brings us all together today as of what ha happened in our history. And you're, we're also like embracing what happened here before it was a university. Similar events were held across the U.S. and Canada known as Orange Shirt Day on September 30th. In Canada, the statutory holiday National Day for Truth and Reconciliation is observed. Meanwhile, the Interior Department is planning to hold its next boarding school healing event, this time in South Dakota. Officials will gather testimony about the impacts of boarding schools at the October 15th event on the Rosebud Reservation. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland is traveling across the country hosting listening sessions as part of her investigation into federal Indian boarding schools. The Biden administration is holding a government-to-government -government summit Tuesday and Wednesday in Washington, D.C. with tribal leaders. The two-day event hosted by the Department of Energy is to explore tribal energy sovereignty. Wahela Johns is director of the agency's Office of Indian Energy Policy and Programs. She says there are many opportunities 
for tribes to invest in clean energy. There's opportunities in geothermal. There's opportunities in small hydro and energy storage is a big one. Um, there's also looking at the build out of making sure that you know the supply chain is coming from the United States internally. And so there's a lot of incentives for manufacturing and repurposing of former you know, coal mine sites. Tribes, you know, we all have a, a beautiful relationship with everything around us, uh, our Mother Earth and our environment. And many of the, the goals, the climate goals, fit in line with the vision that uh, communities have in caretaking. John says the Energy Department will be managing billions of dollars to roll out clean energy, and the agency wants to make sure tribes are involved. Tribal leaders at the summit will be interacting with top agency officials. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean and Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. Did you know one in 10 people will have a seizure? Call 1-800-332-1000 to learn more. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Peyote is an important part of a Native American church ceremony, but the hallucinogenic plant is also the center of a legal argument that asserted Native religious freedom. Now, Native American church practitioners have a new fight on their hands, protecting the peyote plant. Land uses, which include grazing, shifting climate, and encroaching development, have all combined to put the small cactus in a precarious position. And rumblings about the possibility of decriminalizing peyote for the public's use has further implications. Church practitioners are appealing to elected leaders and others for solutions. We'll hear their perspectives today. We'll also go through some of the history of what church adherents say is medicine and what it takes to bring the plant from its place in the wild to its ceremonial purpose. Are you open to sharing your knowledge on the use of peyote? Should protecting the peyote plant be a priority? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our phone lines are now open. Producers are standing by, so please give us a call. John Brady is speaking with us from Newtown, North Dakota. He's the president of the Native American Church of North America. He's Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara. John, welcome to the show. Yes, hello. Good day. Good day to you as well, John. And I know you are traveling down to Oklahoma City tomorrow for this listening session uh, on the American Indian Religious Protection Act. Can you give us some details on, on how this session aligns with the church's goals to protect the peyote habitat? Okay, well, first of all, thank you for uh, reaching out to Native American Church of North America. Um, 
basically um, the listening session um, on federal policies, you know, uh, affecting the policy goals of the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. Um, just basically, um, U.S. House of Representatives coming out to Indian country to hear our concerns, you know, from the older ones, our elders. And um, we have a lot of um, concerns that we've been getting addressed to. So um, we're just trying our best to um, share the concerns that we have, you know, because it's, it's been an ongoing, you know, like a silent crisis through our holy medicine, our sacrament. And we're trying every avenue, every way we can to hear us. And we're advocating the uh, awareness for peyote habitat uh, protection. Where it grows in Texas, it's a slow-growing cacti, and it only grows in uh, four counties. So we're trying our best to, um, you know, share all the concerns because a lot of our older ones are not too familiar with uh, social media, Facebook, and all this and that. So they were uh, coming to their backyard where this organization originally got started, kind of the, made a full circle. Now here we are. We're trying to rally up again and and make our American Indian Religious Freedom Act, make it uh, stronger where it has teeth or maybe a standalone bill. So we've been going around for one year getting input, getting um having peyote summits, getting everyone's idea, you know, so um, how we can go about this, you know, so just to make improvements on it, so. Well, John, it sounds like this is a historic event. I mean, it's been a long time since there's been any kind of uh, discussion like this on the national level with with government officials, with federal officials regarding uh, the peyote habitat and, and other issues pertaining to the Religious uh, Freedom Act are um, just, again, yeah, it just sounds uh, really, really, really exciting. And, and you mentioned that Oklahoma, is it's kind of coming full circle because uh, Native American Church has, has a lot of its roots in, in the state of Oklahoma, right? Yes, yes, sir. And um, here we are today, 2022, in the organization. Um, the prayers, all the grandparents, uh, uncles, aunties said once upon a time over 73 years ago of this organization, and today we are a product of those prayers. And we're, we're trying to be productive, um, being transparent, being accountable in every possible way, you know, so because we want our younger generation coming up, we want them to let them know that it's going to be all right, be okay. And uh, there's a lot of um, the peyote, it's getting expensive. We have for uh, distributors, and um, we're just trying our best. And we ain't ones to be, you know, drawing attention to ourselves. It's a real sensitive way of life, you know, ceremony here. So, so uh, we're trying to get these. Uh, we have to get like thousands of acres, you know, placed in protection through conservation easements and and um, you know, different um, you know initiatives that what we're trying to do. You know, so on account of this holy uh, medicine, because mm-hmm. it really don't have no uh, protection under the law, you know, that we're governed by, the ARFA. So I think we need to, you know, kind of fine tune it and make it uh, stronger. So that way it will be effective down the road, way down the road, you know, when our children, grandchildren, you know, are um, 
coming up, you know, to uh, be roadmen, to be uh, uh, spiritual leaders, to be those good, uh, honest, good, humble, um, spiritual uh, leadership within our tribes and communities. So we're just trying to set that good uh, uh, foundation for them, you know, because we was all, we all, there's over 300,000 members. So, you know, there's, it's it's a lot. It's a lot that we can do. We could put our mind, our heart together, and we could make our organization, we could make our way of life strong as we want it to be, mm-hmm. you know. So this listening session, um, this uh, uh, we was in D.C. a couple weeks ago, and it was nice. Yeah, you know, yes. That, yeah, it was really nice that they got to hear us rather than the other other way around that we're always listening to them so <laughs> right. but today we're still educating still clarifying our way of life you know so okay. this medicine is a good medicine it's it's you know it's had a lot of testimonies and, and it's done a lot for a lot of us so we're trying to keep it that way you know in a natural habitat on the spiritual essence of all of that you know so Okay, John. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, really fascinating. Appreciate you sharing so much, and it's great to know that the church is looking to the future and its future leaders. And um, I think it would be really helpful if you could explain to our listeners a little bit more about Native American Church. If you could give us kind of a brief overview of the church and what are its main tenets, its principles, and its values, and how does what is the role of peyote in the Native American Church? Um. The the role in purity is the number one ingredient within our organization, within our church. You know, without the medicine, you know, um, you can't, you know, because it has a spirit. It has a healing spirit. It has a, it's a right now medicine, you know, when uh, we have a lot of um, goodness within it. So the mission and the statement and the purpose of our church is to foster and promote religious belief and the Almighty God and the customs of the Native American tribes throughout North America to worship our Heavenly Father in promotion of morality, sobriety, industry, charity, right living, and the cultivation of spirit of self-respect and brotherly love and union among its membership throughout North America. We as a people place explicit faith, hope, and belief in Almighty God and declare full, competent, and everlasting faith in our church to which we worship for religion and the protection of the sacramental use of peyote. So that's our mission statement with our national organization. And then we have 28 tri, uh, chapters affiliated and we have 13 delegates. And the peyote is, um, that's basically, I know when you say the word peyote right away, people's mindset goes to other, other realm of the uh, mainstream of how it is today because we all know this purity it has a spirit and we're trying our best to keep it the way our elders told us how to be not try to add anything you know not try to take anything away just the way it was shown you know to each and every one of us throughout the north west east and south so this purity is the one is the boss has big ears big eyes knows all and sees all so we try our humble best to keep it that way for our elders and for the prayers. Keep the prayers going, you know, so this peyote is, you know, it's done a lot. I mean, this, it's been around for years. The 
mentioned over 10,000 years, you know, carbon, it, it was documented. So this is one of the oldest uh, religions here today, 2022. So we're trying our best to, you know, have that good structure and we're trying our best to, to be in tune of all the laws that we're governed by. So we need our tribal leadership, our state leadership and our federal government to weigh in on what we're doing and just to uphold to their federal trust responsibilities. So this ARPA is over uh, 44 years old here a few months ago. So, And John, you mentioned 28 chapters, 13 delegates. Are, are these chapters spread out all over Native America? Uh, yes, sir. Um, there's 13 um, states and um, provinces, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan. So at one time, there was over 80-some chapters affiliated, you know. But, you know, today, you know, we're trying to, you know, gain gain that um, chapters, gain all the, the goodness back, you know, to this organization. And I know a lot of people don't savvy the... Um, the business part of it, or these bylaws, and all these kind of things, they just want to be independent and, you know, stick to themselves. But today, you know, we're facing, you know, different challenges. So we got to do what we have to do. And, you know, in every way, shape, and form, you know, just trying our humble best, you know, just just making it uh, that way for everyone. John, really appreciate you coming on the show today, and uh, I know you're going to be traveling later today, heading down south to Oklahoma for this listening session, so uh, we all wish you safe travels on your journey, and uh, again, thank you so much for, for all these insights and giving us some background on Native American Church. Folks, we're going to be back right after this break, 1-800-996-2848, the number to call. It will take months and even years for residents in Florida and surrounding states to fully recover from Hurricane Ian. Tribal emergency management officials are among those helping out and also looking for lessons the disaster might offer for their own preparations. We'll find out more on the next Native America Calling. Repatriation is the return of ancestors and stolen culture. Work with experts in the field to form strategies and build relations to better the future of repatriation at the 8th Annual Repatriation Conference, October 11th, 12th, and 13th, hosted by the Association on American Indian Affairs and the Pokagon Band of Potawatomi Indians. Learn more at indian-affairs.org. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling today. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about peyote conservation today, and the Native American Church is looking for ways to protect the peyote habitat. We'd also like to hear from you, our listeners. We're at 1-800-996-2848. Please share your thoughts, your comments, your reflections on, on the issues we're talking about today with peyote and its habitat. The number is also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us from Waco, Texas, is Dr. Terry Martin. He's on the board for the Cactus Conservation Institute, and he's a professor at Sol Ross University. Uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Just a couple of minor uh, corrections there. Um, I am no longer 
associated uh, with the uh, Silver Rock State University. I graduated a few years ago, and uh, okay. I am, however, seriously uh, and continuously interested in um, the supporting the ongoing. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm going to call it a fight for survival of the peyote cactus. Okay, fight for survival affairs. Okay, all right. It, it, and John just gave us uh, that really, really wonderful overview uh, of history on on the Native American Church and, and information on peyote. And can you can you dig a little deeper for us now in terms of um, why is the peyote plant at such great risk today? Okay, that's that's a really big question that has a lot of possible answers. Uh, some in conflict with each other and some harmonious with each other. Um, I, I'd like to give you my perspective as someone who lives in West Texas uh, and, uh, you know, peyote is fairly common in, in that part of the world. Um, but uh, I, I just, I'd just like to say a couple of things about the current situation uh, is that this is no news uh, to most people who know anything about peyote. Uh, there has been an enormous incursion uh, on natural peyote have, uh, from people who do not uh, follow the peyote way. Um, and that's where there's concern uh, about, uh, you know, you know Protecting, um, giving, giving. Okay. Um, Martin, I'm sorry, we're having a little bit of trouble hearing you, so I'm going to go ahead and bring in another guest, and I'll have our producers work with you and get a better uh, connection for you there. That is uh, Dr. Martin Terry. He's with the Cactus Conservation Institute. And uh, joining us now from Rapid City, South Dakota, is Sandra Ironrope. He's a founding board member of the Indigenous Peyote Conservation Initiative. He's also the chairman of the Native American Church of South Dakota, and he is Lakota. Sandra, welcome to the show. Yeah, ha-ho. Good morning. Good morning, Sandra. And, um, you know, we're, we're having this show today. We're, we're learning about Native American Church. We're learning about the challenges uh, that peyote has faced uh, for a long time in terms of its habitat, in terms of uh, it's encroachment by uh, people that don't follow the peyote way, as our, our last guest just mentioned. And I'd like for you to talk a little bit, if you will, about peyote on a personal level. And, and can you explain to our listeners the importance of peyote in your own spirituality, Sander? Well, I think that, you know, um, first and foremost is to really understand, you know, indigenous policy. You know, when they, somebody asked me one time, and said, um, how did you get into policy? I said, I'm really not into policy, but as indigenous people, we've had to fight for our rights every step of the way. And so being born into um, a peyote family, uh, my dad uh, was born April 1st, 1928, served this country in the Korean conflict and didn't get to see American Indian Religious Freedom Act of 78, let alone 1994. Um, my grandparents, uh, my dad's dad was born in 1894, uh, who also practiced this way of life. So being born into it, 
um, gives you a little bit of insight about the importance of this way of life. Um, indigenous perspectives have always been a naturalistic view, um, interrupted by colonialism and Western education. Western education is good, but indigenous perspectives have been overlooked for eons. Where are we today with global warming, or is global warming even real? You know, the disruption of our way of life um, is is a very, you know, colonial tactic that we are still striving to heal ourselves. You know, when you understand peyote itself, you know, there is a long extensive history that dates back to, you know, late 1870s and the community of Los Ojuelos in uh, south of Miranda City when the first Piotero started distributing peyote. And, you know, there's a, a book a book called um, Texas Trade and uh, Peyote Trade in South Texas by uh, George Morgan. George Morgan was a professor at Shadron State College and also um, worked in conjunction with Omar C. Stewart, who wrote this in, I believe it was 1984-ish or somewhere around there. But he did a good job in explaining the history and the trade of peyote. When you, when you, when you understand the history of peyote, you can understand the value that all tribes have with this peyote. You know, the Lipton, Apache, and Tonkawa tribes of southern, southern Texas being documented using these cactuses in early 1828. And thankful for these anthropologists that were actually in those areas at that time. But there is a a broken system that is in place right now, and that 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 is you know the the Piotero distribution system. Why I say that, and I say that in the most best way possible, because originally indigenous people harvest peyote, harvest medicines, and not only peyote but other medicines. They harvest them with a spiritual intent, a song a prayer, an offering. And this has been missing for quite some time. Um, because of this distribution system, because of the regulatories, you know, Texas DPS was originally the Texas Department of Health that was part of the regulation for peyote in the early 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And so way back in the 60s and 70s, um, I've heard my uncle say there was a shortage of peyote. So this has been an ongoing issue. You know, our church has been, uh, it was incorporated in 1922, October 5th of 1922. And and when you understand peyote and the the suppression of indigenous rights throughout throughout the United States, we had to fight every right, every step of the way to practice who we are or even to be who we are. It was... It was the government policy to eradicate us. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry, Senator. Okay, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate everything you're saying and a, a lot of good insights here. So, um, I mean, going forward, I mean, so what do you see then as as the biggest threat to peyote now? Is is it this distribution system? Is it the way some of these people are harvesting it? And and tell us more about the Indigenous Medicine Conservation Fund. Or what, what are you folks, what steps are you folks doing to, to rectify some of these challenges that you're facing with regard to peyote and its ceremonial use? Well, to give you a little bit of background, you know, that was the intent, the foundation of it. You know, this, this um, 
the system that we're in is is a broken system. So trying to fix that with um, reconnecting our our spiritual harvest, you know, because everything is an energy transfer. And if you don't believe that, then you you need to wake up. Everything is an energy transfer. You know, the spiritualness of our medicine is important. Um, we are t- spiritual approach to this, the, the grasswitch approach, which is to reconnect to the land, to Mother Earth, to the, the grounds of P- the Peyote Gardens. The Peyote Gardens are, are the region of southern Texas and these four counties. Um, and so reconnecting the generations to really learn how the peyote grows, learn the lifespan of a peyote, learn what is a mature peyote, learn how to properly harvest this peyote, and also learn to plant some peyote back. So the conservation model really going, every one that we take, we plant two back. Um, So that's for starters. So really, really reconnecting to the spiritual harvest of the medicine and to be mindful of what we're harvesting. Um, And so we're creating um, a friendship a network with ranchers in Southern Texas and to work on conservation and what conservation means, you know? So Mm -hmm. originally in these pilgrimages, we only harvested what was needed for that duration. So, you know, there's been Texas DPS documenting different Piotettos harvesting over a million uh, buttons a year. And that's quite a few and a growing population of native American churches. We may never see this in our lifetime, but to start planting seeds of hope is to reconnect to the land because it is therapeutic in the spiritual harvest of peyote itself. So that's the approach that we're taking is reconnecting, you know, okay. to the spiritual harvest. Okay. Sandra, I'm going to go ahead and take a phone call. We've got a caller now, Mark, listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico on KUNM. Mark, thanks for calling in today. You're welcome. I'm glad to participate. Absolutely, Mark. What's on your mind? Um, I believe in what I guess I, I, I've been an addictions counselor for nearly 50 years, practicing mostly in Oregon, but recently moved to Albuquerque. And um, I'm dual heritage, so um, Choctaw and also African-American. So one of the things that I notice is that before 1978, uh, basically Native American was essentially uh, illegal and suppressed. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was sacramental assisted treatment. And what I mean by that is that drugs like alcohol and other things like that promote addiction. Peyote supports recovery, especially cultural recovery. And I think one of the dangers that people, there should be conservation. I like what I've been hearing. Uh, But you also need to watch out for commodification by big pharma because that is also a danger as well. So where the previous caller talked about, you know, millions of peyote buttons produced, if this is effective in uh, preventing addiction and a holistic life and promoting a holistic lifestyle, then sooner or later, uh, Big Pharma is going to take notice. And I think that the spiritual and cultural aspects of peyote use should be protected. Um, okay. As I told. Okay, Mark, I, I appreciate 
Yeah, th- thanks, Mark, for that those insights. And I'm going to go ahead and let Sander respond to that. So, uh, Sander, we have Mark here in Albuquerque, and, and he's saying, you know, there are therapeutic, there's therapeutic value here, and, and, and similar like what we've seen with marijuana, right? Big pharma gets in, and they, this can be used for therapeutic practices. And uh, I'm interested, Sander, in terms of how you folks are, are organizing and how you're thinking about some of those other players that could potentially get involved and influence uh, the peyote habitat and um, how how you're going to safeguard uh, the exclusive use of peyote for Native American spirituality in the event that some of these larger and very powerful interests in some ways step forward and, and trying to get get a hand in it. What's your thought on that, Sander? Well, what's my thought on it? I think unifying as a... Indigenous coalition, um, indigenous tribes, peyote practitioners, leaders is essential. I think that, you know, there is already about seven companies that are producing uh, synthetic mescaline. Synthetic mescaline, and I don't know if they do have a therapeutic model. However, myself, the IPCI, has been standing firm um, in really kind of... uh, sharing that this is not indigenous perspective this is not indigenous because in a sense you're kind of cloning our our grandparents you're cloning our relative indigenous perspective is nation to nation you talk about the the plant nation the four-legged nation the wing nation when you go back to indigenous perspectives everything is related and so when you when you do this you are infringing upon a relative and so you're taking that out and indigenous ceremonies are inclusive of the elements you don't have the elements. You don't have, you're opening a spiritual door that you have no clue what you're doing. You know, most indigenous practitioners have over 30, 50 years, equivalent to a PhD. You know, so when you're doing this here, we've been standing firm on trying to educate Big Farm or different people that would really listen that, you know, this is in a sense taboo for us. But, you know, who's going to listen to us? You know, mm-hmm. um, indigenous right. voices are suppressed and, and minimal. But we have been speaking out of, uh, um, about this issue. Okay. Well, Sandra, thanks for, for all that information. And let's go ahead and bring uh, Martin Terry back into the conversation. Martin, are you there? I'm here. I'm, my question for you is, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Uh, it sounds like we've got our, our audio all squared away with you. So, Martin, let's talk a little bit more about some of these risks uh, facing the peyote plant. I mean, you know, the, these habitat issues, um, the you know, big pharma and other folks trying to get involved. Also, you know, the risks of legalizing peyote, uh, like what we've seen with some states uh, with regard to marijuana. Uh, Going forward, what what do people really need to be mindful of with regard to these risks? And, and apparently these risks have been around for a long, long time with regard to peyote. But what do you want our listeners to really understand about the plant right now? Well, one, one let me just pick a, uh, what I consider an important jewel that we need to understand. And that is that uh, having a population, even what looks like a um, a very good population, a, a, you know, a very healthy population, um, may uh, not be sufficient. Um, and the reason, one, or one reason why that might not be sufficient is that if, if there are still people, people, humans, encroaching on the habitat, of the medicine, 
and taking what whatever they want to take uh, for whatever ends they intend to use it for, um, I, I call that a problem. And uh, I'm, I look at people who who you know make claims that uh, they're they're protecting the peyote, that they're they're guarding the peyote. Um, but when you actually look at what's going on in the real world, in what we normally would call peyote habitat, uh, you may find a very unpleasant result. Um, and, and that would be particularly, uh, you, you could have um, someone who is correctly, uh, physically nourishing um, peyote plants and, and getting them up to, you know, a reasonable size. Martin, we're going to have to take another break here. Uh, folks, 1-800-996-2848, the number to call with questions. We'll be right back. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free, confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. We're glad you could join us on Native America Calling today. I'm Sean Spruce. We're focusing on proposals to protect peyote that only grows in a very specific habitat around the Texas-Mexico border. It's a sacred medicine for Native American church members. How do you think peyote should be protected? What do you think should, who do you think should have access to this hallucinogenic cactus? We'd really like to hear your thoughts. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. We have a caller on the line now, Anthony, listening on KISU in Fort Hall, Idaho. Anthony, hello. Hello. Hi, Anthony. Um, yep. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, number one, again, I'm, my name is Anthony Bronco, and I'm with the Shoshone Bani Tribes, and also I'm a board member with the Native American Church here in Fort Hall, Idaho, which has been in existence since 1925. So going back almost a hundred years, Anthony, a hundred years. Now, do you come from a peyote family like our guest Sander? Yes, sir, I have. Uh, actually, my grandpa was one of the founders, along with another one that brought it here from Oklahoma. Wow, wow. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the importance of peyote in your spirituality on a personal level? Well... <laughs> It's it's very vital. It's very important. Uh, and it's just like the gentleman stated earlier, you know, the, the way that we got things incorporated to the state of Idaho so that we're not bothered because everything that uh, the indigenous folks here and all our religions was taken away by the government. Mm-hmm. And that was one way of how we got it incorporated with the state of Idaho so we could practice without being bothered. So, 
So going forward now, you've got these protections. And are you working with uh, NAC chapters in other states to help them um, access and use POD in, uh, in a way that's easier as opposed to you know, battling some of these regulatory hurdles that might be in place or some of these other challenges? Well, I guess uh, you say we're working with the NAC of North America and supporting them in their efforts and protecting the peyote, peyote garden. Okay. Well, Anthony, thanks for calling in. Really appreciate your perspectives. And let's go ahead and bring in our fourth guest today. Joining us from Sweetwater, Arizona is Stephen Benali. He's a board member with the Indigenous Peyote Conservation Initiative, a conservationist and former president of uh, Native American Church of Navajo Land. He is Dene. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Stephen, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing from, from Native folks from, from all over the country, uh, the Dakotas, um, Oklahoma, you know, big listening session going on there tomorrow. Just had a caller from from uh, Idaho. Uh, how widely used is peyote uh, among your Navajo people? Within our our um, Navajo Nation, I think we have probably, oh my gosh, probably over um, probably the largest you know portion of the users are here on Navajo. I could say maybe. Um, um, Probably, I, I, I wouldn't even want to venture to guess, probably over 4,000, 5,000 people that use this on Navajo. Wow, so quite a few. And, uh, and does peyote have the long history going back over 100 years like we're learning about with some of these other tribal communities? Yeah, well, um, it, it, it has. Um, with with Navajo, I have uh, grandfathers that had talked about this medicine way before the NAC ceremonial portion of it came. There was stories about the this particular medicine that has been among our people thousands of years ago, and so our um, ceremonial keepers, those that um, have these ceremonies, they had stories and they were aware of this peyote and they had prophesied about of its return to our nation and as the prophecy has been laid out that has happened where this peyote came back to our people and so some of our real indigenous uh, elders that have gone on they were aware of this medicine it has been around as an herb that is one of our sacred medicines within our our nation. Now, Stephen, you help organize an annual spiritual pilgrimage uh, for Diné people to um, to these lands uh, there in Texas where, where peyote grows. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, um, I served as the uh, president for this Azebe um, Nahaga of Diné Nation formerly known as Native American Church of Navajo Land. Um, we've had an annual pilgrimage that is done every year. Um, it's probably in like its 20, 26th year now, where we go to 
the peyote garden to make offerings. And at the onset of my, my presidency, we had a hard time trying to find a place to go to lay down our sacred offerings when we got to, to, the, um, to Texas. Because all of those peyote land, they're, they're private land. And you can't just go on there to do what we need to do. That was a very important part of our pilgrimage. And so we had to work with some peyoteros like Salvador Johnson to help us find a place to go out to actually do offerings to where that medicine grows. And through that, there was a real wake-up wake call, I guess, when one time we took our grandchildren out there to do these offerings for them, and we had a hard time trying to find a place where the, the, the peyote grows to make these offerings. And, and from there on out, the initiative and the plan and the prayer of way back came into play where if we were ever to do anything that is going to save this medicine, we have to do our own part. We have to have that initiative to make a difference in making this happen. We cannot wait around for someone to do it for us. And so this is where this um, um, National Council of Native American Churches, we came together through a research that was initiated by the Native American Church of North America through the um, Native American Rights Funds, who put up some money to have this research done. And the research indicated, you know, the need and the, the state that, that we were in as far our, as our, our um, medicine was concerned, supply and demand. And so through that, the National Council of Native American Churches, comprised of um, Native American Church of North America, Native American Church of South Dakota, Native American Church of Oklahoma, of the nation, the presidents of these organizations, we put our heads together, we planned, and we talked, you know, sitting around a table at, in Boulder at the Native American Rights Fund's office and talked about our needs. How, what is it that is a need? What is it that we need to do with this research finding? And that's where the idea about the harvesting and offering and how that led to this creation of the Indigenous Peyote Conservation Initiative. It was through the National Council of Native American Churches, having all these groups come together to fine, fine tune and to talk, deliberate and huddle on this to really talk about what our issues are and what we need to do as a whole to address this. Okay. And okay. that is a very Stephen, important part. Okay. Yes. yes, Stephen. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I apologize to interrupt you, but we do have a couple of callers on the line that we really want to get to. Really appreciate all of your insights, Stephen, and, and all your wisdom on uh, this history that you're providing for us. We've got Ryan. He's listening online in Oklahoma City. Ryan, hello. You're on Native America Calling. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me in. I'm, I'm calling you from the National Native Language Summit over here, but I want to just commend everybody uh, that's on the phone today that's contributing, and I want to say hello to them uh, throughout the nation, everybody that's working towards this, and especially to the Native American Church in North America and President Brady and uh, everybody else that's working on 
the federal advocacy effort that we're on now to enhance conservation easements voluntarily incentivizing that with private landowners to save their peyote habitat. Uh, we're not going to get there on 600 acres. We need to reserve tens of thousands of acres. And so we invite everybody to join in. We invite everybody to unify in prayer and advocacy. And let's work with these private landowners and shoot for tens of thousands of acres. We're going to need at least 100,000 acres under conservation easements. And these programs exist now in Interior and in the United States Department of Agriculture. And our uh, advocacy team, we need everybody behind it. And we're okay. going to get there with unity. So I just wanted to add that to the conversation today. Ryan, thanks. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for, for chiming in there. 100,000 acres is what Ryan says uh, folks need to maintain the peyote habitat. And uh, Martin, are you still on the line there, Martin Terry? I don't know if I'm I'm properly in line or not, but I'm here. Okay, well, I'm just going to ask you if you could just quickly comment on that. 100,000 acres, is that feasible? Is there is, Are there 100,000 acres of, of lands available to potentially harvest uh, peyote going forward? I would say yes, there are, but but here's the here's the but. Um, a lot of that land will require either uh, scraping up the, the the hard cash to to buy it, or to make uh, some sort of mutually um, satisfactory uh, way of um, actually. Growing the peyote in in as as everyone would have grown it, you know, ten thousand years ago up to the present. Okay, so being uh, mindful, I'm sorry, being mindful of those traditional practices and growing it in a way that's that's conducive with the the spirit and legacy of uh, of people that have grown peyote for for centuries. It sounds like. Uh, thank you, Martin, for those insights. And we've got one more caller on the line. I think we can squeeze him in. Daryl, he's listening on Keeley in Rapid City, South Dakota. Daryl, hello. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Daryl. Please, if you could uh, keep your comments concise and brief, I'd appreciate it because we are a little pressed for time. That's okay. I can do that. I'd just like to uh, say I'm in support of what uh, all the talkers are talking about and mainly the preservation uh, of the sacred medicine, and uh, in total support of uh, Native American Church in North America, John Brady and Ryan Wilson, in their comments and so forth, very strong, very strong. And there's a lot of history in South Dakota uh, pertaining to the peyote way, the ceremonial way of the peyote, uh, Native American Church of South Dakota, as well as ancient Native American Church, Half Moon Way of Pine Ridge. And my... My comment would be, uh, no matter where we come from, no matter who we are, we need to unify and uh, pursue preservation of our sacred medicine as best we can and uh, maybe focus on one organization only and uh, go forward with that with the United States government. Thank you for listening to me, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl, for calling in. Uh, Really appreciate it. And, um, John Brady, I, I think you're still on the line, and I want to ask you, you know, you've got a lot of people calling in in support of, of, of your efforts and, and all of your other um, uh, fellow church members that are advocating and doing all of this uh, legislative work, and, and are also talking about, you know, the, the future of peyote and how to 
responsibly take care of these habitats. And I'm curious to know uh, about young Native people today, John. Are you seeing strong interest in the Native American church among millennials and younger generations? We just got about a minute before we have to wrap up. If you could respond to that, John. Yes, there is. Um, I believe the long, so the older ones, um, we're trying our best to to accept those examples, you know, because we don't want our younger generation being any old way down the road. We want them to know firsthand from the grandparents, from all the fireplaces, all the teachings, and all the goodness. Love, most of all, is the number one key for everything as us as Native people. And it's not all about, you know, the songs, the drumming, the singing, the gourds and the fans and all of that. Prayer is the most important thing, most of all, you know. So we're trying our best as Native American church practitioners. We're trying our best to do the way our relatives taught us how to be, how to act. You know, the protocols, the etiquette. So here we are today just wanting protection for our our holy medicine. And all these mainstream uh, decriminalization movements out there, you know, I wish a prayer would, they could just leave our holy medicine alone as it's for us as Native people, you know. And greenhouses ain't the answer because it's a whole spiritual aspect of things when you harvest this medicine. There's a, and the uh, substance of it is the wind, the air, the rain, all of God's creation. So today we're still trying our best to educate. You know, it's a real sensitive uh, subject. So I'm gonna encourage all our youth, no matter what tribes you come from, the families, the homes you represent, be proud of who you are. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank all of our guests, Sander Ironrope, Dr. Martin Terry, Stephen Benali, and John Brady, for sharing knowledge and insights on the ceremonial use of peyote and challenges to its protection. Join us tomorrow for a discussion about emergency management and some updates about Hurricane Ian. I'm Sean Spruce. Support by the Facundo Valdez School of Social Work at Highlands University, now offering the opportunity to earn a culturally relevant clinical Master of Social Work degree without leaving your own community. This online MSW degree focuses on a small, supportive model with a clinical concentration. Students in rural areas, tribal communities, and or who live far from campus are given preference. Application deadline is October 15th at online.nmhu.edu. November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. Did you know one in 10 people will have a seizure and one in 26 will develop epilepsy during their lifetime? Epilepsy is a neurological disorder that causes recurring unprovoked seizures. Call 1-800-332-1000 to get information and resources. Visit epilepsy.com slash first aid to learn about seizure first aid. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation 
a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.